0: Let's do this. Let's Talk About Talk. Well, hello, and welcome to Talk About Talk. I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please, call me Andrea. Welcome to Talk About Talk, episode number 76. This is part two of my interview with Jill Nicolation, CEO of the Juniper Park TBWA Agency, where we talk leadership and communicating like a boss. If you haven't listened to part one yet, episode 75, you really should. In that episode, we heard Jill's general leadership philosophy of looking forward and letting go of past baggage. We also learned about Jill's communication philosophy, which can be summarized in three words, precision, compassion, and frequency, plus lots more. So please listen to that episode first if you haven't already. By the way, I'm going to summarize everything from this entire interview, both episodes, at the end of this episode. So... As always, you don't need to take notes. I do that for you. Just keep doing whatever you're doing. Housework, driving, walking, whatever. I'll summarize the main points at the end, and you can always access the summary, the complete transcript, photos, and more, all on the TalkAboutTalk.com website. You're welcome. One other thing. While you're at TalkAboutTalk.com, please sign up for the weekly email newsletter. This is your chance to get free communication skills coaching from me every week in a simple to digest email. I promise no spam and no more than once per week. Just go to talkabouttalk.com to sign up or email me directly and I'll add you to the list. You can email me anytime at andrea at talkabouttalk.com. All right, let's do this. Back to my conversation with Jill Nicolation, founder and CEO of the award-winning agency Juniper Park TBWA, where we talk leadership. And communicating like a boss, we jump right back into this interview where I'm warning Jill that based on the positive culture that she's created at her agency, I predict she's going to see an uptick in applications from people who want to work there. So I have a prediction, Jill. You're going to have a you're going to be flooded with resumes after this podcast. <laughs> hey,
1: we're growing. I don't okay. Lie.
0: So, but speaking speaking of your staff, I have a question for you specifically about that. What yeah. communication skills do you see? lacking in people that sometimes may yeah. end up halting their career progression?
1: Curiosity. Oh, I think curiosity is missing from a lot of people because again, they're showing up with wanting to prove how much they know, show off what they know or afraid to say, I don't know. So again, it's something I model. I, have, I don't know. Does anybody know how this works? Can someone explain it? I, I say it all the time. And actually back in craft, one of the sales guys said to me, this is where I actually picked up on the power of this one of the sales guys said to me, you ask a ton of questions. I'm like, oh my gosh, too many? He goes, no, I'm just making an observation. Cause I wanted to know the whole system of things. And even now, like our corporate lawyer, she goes, I always like, before I sign this, what does this mean? What, what does my signature mean on this? And she goes, you're the only person that I advise that actually they go, yeah, yeah. It's okay to sign. I go, okay. I go, okay. I know. Thanks for telling me it's okay to sign. And I do trust you. What's the implication of me signing this? Is yeah. it
0: speaking of plain language, right? It's not exactly in those legal contracts. What,
1: what exactly is this document saying, like in, in plain English? So I think curiosity is a big one. I tell anyone young, like, just learn as much as you can, but you learn not just by watching, but by also asking.
0: Your focus on curiosity and asking questions and replacing buzzwords with plain language reminds me a lot of my favorite. Professor on the planet, Jerry Zaltman. He's professor emeritus now at Harvard Business School. Yeah. These are all things that he repeated. Over and over again. I had the privilege of spending a lot of time in his office. Just, oh, he is such a generous intellect. That's that's how I describe him. He's smart, but he's so generous. And, and he advocates all of these things, Jill, that you're talking about.
1: So. Well, his book on metaphors is fantastic. Deep metaphors. And anyone listening should be getting that book about communication because we realize what the roots are
0: <laughs> I'm pulling books out of my bookshelf pulling,
1: she's pulling books out of but yes I, I'm a massive fan of his even before we spoke I used his methodology of uh, Zmet quite a bit about yep. deep metaphors for brands, because it gets under the underpinnings of what we're really thinking. And so for me, you know, whether we're in a metaphor of container or metaphor of balance, if you understand the deep metaphor underneath people or underneath our language, then you you can use language more precisely. So I actually credit his work a lot with good to the root of what you're saying. Yeah, universal patterns. Exactly. So Jill, I'm really curious
0: as you're speaking, you sound so confident and yet I know you're vulnerable and I, I kind of grew up with you at craft. So I know what it was like in that environment and and learning the lessons that we learned collectively and individually there. I want to talk to you about confidence and imposter syndrome. So do you experience it? And specifically, I'm really curious, how do you boost your own confidence?
1: It's a wonderful question. And I think it's an important one because that feeling of not enough is universal. And that could be in work or at home and a relationship. Oh my gosh, am I enough? But showing up at work with imposter syndrome, absolutely. I had it. I don't have it anymore. I can confidently say, do I have self-doubt sometimes? Sure. Like, oh shoot. Am I ready? But imposter syndrome is a big one. And I had it, yes. In my, my late 30s, it was kind of getting rampant because I my career was going really quickly and jumping into new space. And I joined an advertising. I went from being a director of North America Craft and i in an advertising agency. I'm like, what do I even know about advertising? I, I, It was like going behind the curtain of Wizard of Oz. I'm like, I used to put briefs in. I have no idea. You know, when Dorothy goes behind the curtain and she sees, it, it, there's that guy's big face. And then she goes behind the curtain. It's this little man pulling... All these levers. I'm like, oh
0: my Another God. Another perfect metaphor, Jill. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I am one day away from being found out that I don't know anything. Wow. That's literally how I felt. And then one of the partners said to me, What you have is imposter syndrome. I'm like, What? He goes, Oh, it's a thing. I'm like, And I Google, I'm like, Oh, this is exactly what I have. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know it's a thing. What a relief, right? It's validating. So I was like, Oh, okay, there's comfort in numbers. But then how do I get over this? I went back in in my brain and picked up some advice that I got from a mentor when I was 30. And he said, find out what you're uniquely good at and make room to do that most often. So why I'm going with that with imposter syndrome is I took for granted what I was uniquely good at, what came naturally to me as a gift. Well, it's just, I'm barely trying. It just, it's the way my brain works. Isn't it the way everyone's brain works? No. It wasn't. So I'm like, oh, I have unique gifts. Okay. So, A, I need to, I I can't have someone value something that I don't value myself. So, I had to go back and go, what I, the way I can carve out a consumer insight or craft a brand strategy, that is a unique gift of mine. And I need to stand square in the acceptance of that. And so that was a big part of that.
0: So can I just ask you a specific question about that? I'm trying to think of how that would manifest. So for example, if you're walking into a meeting with a bunch of senior potential future clients, right? And yeah. you're feeling a little bit of imposter syndrome, like why are we even pitching on this? Or, yeah. or why do they think I'm the one? Yeah. You say to yourself, I have this unique ability.
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. Don't take what your unique gifts are for granted. Back at craft, our VP, Carl Nanny, he at the time when I, I we cracked something really big and a North American strategy, and he wrote me a note, I still have it to this day. He wrote me a note and he said, I wanted you to know that you are the best in Canada at crafting insight. It meant so much to me when you give compliments to the person. We often give compliments about the person to somebody else. I'm a really big believer and give it to the person. So he wrote that to me. And I remember the feeling it gave me was like, I know. Oh, wow. I know I am. But I was like, who am I to voice that? So I went back in the box and I went, oh, my gosh, I have this. He said that and I knew it. And I still didn't step into it. Mm. So I brought that back out put it you know, in my office so I could actually look at it and really just as a touchstone, I am the best at this. That I was age 30 when he said that. I'm how old now? Own it. And I'm only better than than that. You know, decades gone by. So 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 I say I I actually just step into my awareness. Meditation's a big one because you get to block out the noise. All that those jitters come up and you can just meditate whatever people want to do. You know, I I I do 15 do minutes do you do guided meditation or so, I do my own, okay. um, so I can do it in a cab, I can do it in an airport. people could be talking at me it, it, it's It's meditation for a busy life, but accept and step square into your gift. Mm-hmm. but accept that every one of us has a gift and find out what yours is. and if you don't know, ask others not what you're good at, but what you are uniquely good at, and mm-hmm. then free up time to do it more often and it will blossom even further. I also, before big meetings, I always like to do a huddle and we get the energy positive, even on Zoom. Before we do a big pitch, 10 minutes, we're going to energetically bind ourselves together. We've got this. Do you have that feeling of invincibility? Because we know what we're doing. And if you come in not so solid, you'll get it from the others. And then the good old fashioned Ann Cuddy power pose has served me well exactly super exactly superwoman i always i i had a really big one i had to do in cape town really important it was quite defining for my career it would open up doors and i did a full-on like arms out in the air like I, i could not be bigger be big and be bold chest out arms wide
0: expansive
1: expansive and if you do that for two minutes your brain will go oh okay okay we're confident We always think it's mind over matter. Sometimes it's form will inform your confidence. So I, 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 I do that too.
0: Wow. I love your answer. I I just want to touch on one thing when you were saying, find out what is unique about you and that you seem to do more easily that you may take for granted. Yeah. I'm encouraging my clients to actually email people. I encourage them to ask, what do you admire about Jill? Mm. And also what makes Jill, Jill?
1: Mm, those are perfect. Those are great questions. Yeah,
0: I, I actually did it recently. I emailed 10 people because I was preparing for teaching some some senior women. And I said, I wanted to be able to tell them that I had done it recently myself. And it's, it's shocking how there are consistent patterns from all of these diversely different people about what they mm-hmm. see about you. Yeah. That's, that's a great answer. One more question before we move on to the five rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can imagine that you probably get asked by your staff and maybe people even outside of your organization for career advice. Do you have any advice that you find yourself repeatedly giving to people?
1: I do. Yes, I do. And I wrote about this one in particular on LinkedIn. It went like 70,000 views. Like, I, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. But what I said was carry two notebooks. I was 29. And I, one of my mentors told me that, and I do it to this day. Everyone knows I carry two notebooks and one is for the tasks, writing stuff. Yep. All your meeting notes, everything you got to do planning your day. The other one is for personal epiphanies Mm. because they happen all through the day. And then you've put them in your other notebook. They get lost in the sea of like 14 things I have to do today. And, and, and so I carry two notebooks. One is like for floor one and two of the apartment building. Yep. Change the lighting and yep. Do this garbage day tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And the other one is like my, Floor 10 stuff. Somebody says a quote in a meeting, you're like, oh my gosh, that's huge. Or I really someone mentions a book. I should read that book. But the stuff that's about personal growth and epiphanies, I put somewhere else. So then what I do, I do often is I go through them. They're not caught in the clutter of things that must, tasks that must get done. Oh. They become these beautiful volumes of growth and reflection and insight and awareness. That's what I've been doing since I was 29. If I can give one piece of advice, it's keep two notebooks.
0: Wow. You know, Jill, that is relevant for absolutely everyone. Everyone. Yeah. I really hope Jill, you may have considered this, but I hope that someday you can publish this list mm. of personal insights because I think oh. it would be incredibly powerful.
1: Thank you. You've given me a thought maybe Maybe I will. Maybe I will.
0: So you're good at identifying insights. You could do like the Pat Flynn, put everything out on post-it notes and then create piles. And you've got an outline for a book. Yeah,
1: that's a good one. So thank you. So my second piece of advice for people is to work on projects with senior leaders. There's always those special projects that they, they don't really line up with the org chart. Raise your hand for those. Get access to senior thought leaders. And what I tell people is treat them like professors in a class. The people is go, can you mentor me? I'm like, just sign up for a project and you'll work with me close up, hands on, in real time. That's better than a, can I meet you for coffee for 30 minutes? Like, sure. But why don't you just say, I'm working on a project with you. And that's how I had in my career. I mean, Irene Rosenfeld, I worked on a project for Irene Rosenfeld. And she met with us every Friday afternoon for two hours for about two years. And she be, I treated it like going to school. How does she talk? How does she question? Even how does she present herself? And you don't have to ask people to be, their, be a mentor. Just decide that they are your mentor. That would be a second piece is get close to leaders by saying, yeah, I'll help you with that project.
0: Well, that's great advice because people can see that it worked for you. And it's also, as you said, uncommon, people are very apprehensive about going off the proven track, right? Yeah. The expected track. And you see this in accounting firms and consulting firms and agencies, there's like a a certain hierarchy that you have to follow and taking a side route can often propel you.
1: It propelled hundred percent. So you did that. You, you started at craft and you went this way and propelled and I started at craft and I went a different way by working on projects. And was working with Irene on the CRM project that completely transformed my career. And I remember a VP at the time said for a smart girl, you make dumb career decisions. Wow. I said, what do you mean? I said, I, I was just like, Oh, and he goes, you're always going off the trail. And I said to him, Oh, and look at me now. That oh, you think I want to be like the president of craft? I'm going where all the learning is. When I actually left and started an agency, that same VP emailed me and said, I never understood your career choices when you were at Craft. I understand them now. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's- Which is really a beautiful yes. communication moment of just it was years later. He said, I never understood you. Yeah. And you and
0: like your to your other point, you probably weren't even conscious. It's just what you do. It's just what I do. That's just what Jill does. And I was was, was just drawn to it. So I just
1: knew it was right for me.
0: And now you're sharing that with other people in terms of career advice, which is very generous. Okay. Okay. Moving on to the five rapid fire questions here. And we're gonna make these rapid, I promise. Okay. First, what are your pet
1: peeves? Entitlement. I can't stand entitlement.
0: Oh wow! I wish no. people could see your body language. She's she's just. It doesn't it doesn't go well. No. Okay. Second question. What type of learner are you? Visual.
1: <laughs> Speaking metaphors. <laughs> I even talk visually.
0: I think I think us marketers overindex on being visually oriented. Yeah. 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 Said the podcaster. Okay. Question number three. <laughs> Introvert or extrovert? I'm
1: an extrovert. Oh, there's I, a shock. Everything is energy, even our words. Everything is energy. So it's like if you and if and through a computer, you needed to get it out even more. And that's why I, I just it can, do not let the screen be the block of your energy. It's just it's just an obstacle we can get out. But everything is energy, including how you communicate. And I'm a full body.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know I I heard that um, one thing to do if you log on to a Zoom meeting early is to practice what frame you have with your hands so so move yeah. your hands right and left and up and down that's Just so smart so you have you... an idea and then use it like make it your challenge make to... it
1: your your stage yeah that's i'm i'm gonna use that i love that because love if your that. hand
0: they th- the research shows if your hand goes off the side it's yeah. disconcerting for people because they want to they want to see what your hand's doing, right? So Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah you're out of out frame. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I'm using that.
1: Thank you. Okay, I'm glad you can learn
0: one thing here, Jill. Okay, question number four. Communication preference for personal
1: conversations. Yeah. WhatsApp. I'm full on WhatsApp and I, I use it to so its full capacity. So I'm a big, big voice to text person. Everyone who knows me knows I'm constantly dictating, but I, I, I use that. I also do video clips. I'm like, hello. Like if my daughter, I'm like, hi, hon. I, I are, I, everybody knows I'm WhatsApp and I'm voice and I'm video and lots of emojis. Anything that's expressive. Love
0: it. Okay. Last question Is there a blog, a podcast, or an email newsletter that you find yourself recommending the most lately?
1: Yeah. Yes. I absolutely love Dr. Chatterjee's podcast, Feel Better, Live More. Absolute go-to. And he's a functional medicine doctor in the uk deeply empathetic like his empathy is a superpower empathy his, he has a holistic view on health so mental spiritual physical and his he his guests are phenomenal so ariana huffington dr gabor matey peter crone esther prell Matthew mcconaughey people who've done the work and so he's got four four principles sleep relaxation nutrition and movement so i talk about those with my team all the time jill i've really really enjoyed this time and i know we took more time you asked amazing questions is there anything else you want to add so if i was to leave your listeners with one thought about the power and importance of communication as a leader i'd say this leadership is more than just telling people what to do or telling them things or directing them communication is key to that you have to communicate the context of things explain things to people not just tell them what to do but why are we doing it what what's your role in it and where is it going what are the dependencies because then people understand the importance of things and it it comes from a task and then it elevates to purpose so when you communicate communicate context also know that catching people doing things right is so powerful send little notes quick text to say you nailed it or a note i'm so proud of you and here's why So catch people doing things right, and again, be specific. I loved it when you did this, it had an impact on me of that. That goes so much further than any criticism. Third is help people find their voice. Think about when you were younger, I don't know, it's going to sound stupid, or maybe everybody knows this, is everybody else thinking this, is it just me? What we can do as a leader, the one question is so powerful I find is, Andrea, what do you think? Powerful question. They go, go, no, seriously, what what do you think? I'm curious as to what do you think. You've got a unique point of view. So you saying that as a leader is, I see you, I value you, and it also is an invitation that some people might need in order to say something. They may not know how to grab the mic. Sometimes you have to offer the mic.
0: Right.
1: Find that one question. What do you think? And then hold space and let them answer.
0: Well, Jill, thank you so, so much. I was smiling the whole time and I really, really really enjoyed getting caught up and hearing some of your perspectives and insights and advice about leadership and communication. And I thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. This was a pleasure and it was such a pleasure to catch up with you and your questions are brilliant. And what you do is important. Uh, Communication is a skill that we stumble into and we rarely study it. And yet it affects all of our lives. Yeah, And yet we don't study it. So you did, (laughs) you studied it and you're bringing this to, you're unpacking it and teaching people. So what you do is important. and Thank you for that.
0: What a great conversation. Thanks to Jill for so generously sharing her leadership and communication insights with us. We packed a lot in there, didn't we? I joked with Jill after the interview that I could just say, for a summary, just replay the interview. But seriously, I'm going to take a few minutes now to pull out four themes or key insights from this conversation. The four themes are, one, a growth mindset, two, precision, three, our three communication superpowers, and four, unapologetic authenticity. Are you ready? Okay, number one, growth mindset. Jill stated very clearly that she avoids using buzzwords like growth mindset since many people don't know what buzzwords mean or because we get sloppy. So let me start by stating precisely what I mean by growth mindset. I mean someone whose primary focus is on learning and as a leader, someone who creates an environment where everyone can learn and grow. So how does Jill embody a growth mindset? Honestly, it would be easier to highlight where she doesn't. Learning is core to Jill's being. I asked Jill, what's your leadership philosophy? And she said, don't lead through the rearview mirror. Notice what's ending and let go. Notice what's emerging and step into it. That is learning and growth. I also asked her, what skills do you see lacking in people that sometimes may end up halting their career progression? Her answer? Curiosity. People who are curious, who seek learning and growth, a growth mindset, they're the ones who succeed. She also talked about asking a lot of questions. She asked questions of her cross-functional counterparts. Oh boy, those poor sales guys. Of her lawyer when she was signing contracts, of her staff and her clients. Again, growth mindset. And one of the best examples of how Jill embodies a growth mindset is how she avoided the expected the prescribed career path. Why did she do that? To learn. And as Jill said, there's always special projects that don't line up with the org chart. Raise your hand for those. Get access to senior thought leaders. Then treat those leaders like professors and meetings with those senior folks like a university lecture. Take mental notes and learn. Always learning. These are the insights of someone with a growth mindset. Am I right? Okay, so growth mindset is the first theme. The second? Precision. Of course Jill and her team at the agency are careful with their words. They write advertising copy for their clients. And that's exactly one of the reasons that Jill avoids using buzzwords. She says buzzwords typically aren't precise. They're fat words and they can be lazy. And she prefers plain language. She also prefers her folks to avoid using unnecessary lazy hyperbole. Like, never. I'm never going to be able to do this. Really? Never, and don't you love her knife metaphor related to precision? There's the butter knife, the steak knife, and the scalpel. Her agency is the scalpel, precise. And last, in terms of precision, Jill advocates our use of headlines. So whether it's written or verbal communication, a well-considered precise headline will clarify our message. So that's the second theme, precision. And the third theme? It's our communication superpowers, listening, confidence, and storytelling. If you listen to Talk About Talk podcasts or if you subscribe to the email newsletter, you'll know we focus on our three communication superpowers a lot, listening, confidence, and storytelling. And Jill said she agrees with these three communication superpowers and she also added some nuanced insight for us. Starting with listening, Jill talks about this in terms of holding space. Whether it's a client or a staff member She goes beyond basic hearing to empathic listening, holding space and preventing anyone from interrupting, including herself. She also listens when she asks people, Andrea, what do you think? And then she holds space. I loved her comment that not everyone knows how to raise their hand or to use a mic. Sometimes we need to turn the mic on, hand it to them, and then hold space. Listen. The second of the communication superpowers is confidence. Did you catch what Jill said about confidence? She said, confidence builds when people talk with precision. When you're not confident, you use lazy words because you're not really sure. You're coming in like a butter knife. As a leader, Jill also builds others' confidence in so many ways. Again, there's handing them the mic, metaphorically speaking, asking, what do you think? Then holding space for them to answer, helping them find their voice. There's also her frequency point, Giving people frequent updates, sometimes even when there's nothing to update, just so they feel confident in their roles. Jill also builds people's confidence by catching them doing things right. Sending them little notes, a quick text to say, I noticed, I'm so proud of you, and here's why. Our last communication superpower is storytelling. I have to say, based on our conversation, I really feel like I know exactly what it would be like to work at Juniper Park TBWA. Don't you? That's because of Jill's vivid storytelling. When she told us about a few of her internal meetings, I felt like I was right there. Also, in terms of storytelling, Jill employs metaphors prolifically. Did you notice? I love it. At the very beginning of our conversation, there was the metaphor of her team dropping their big, heavy baggage as they ascended the mountain, looking at what's coming ahead as opposed to being held back by yesterday's baggage. There's also the metaphor of using the mic, as in speaking up in a meeting. And then there's the metaphor of the various knives, the butter knife, the steak knife, and the scalpel, to illustrate her point about precision. And then there was her metaphor of revealing what's behind the curtain in The Wizard of Oz to illustrate how she felt when she experienced imposter syndrome. These are amazing metaphors and amazing storytelling. Okay, so that's three of the four main themes. We've covered one, Jill's growth mindset, two, her focus on precision, and three, the three communication superpowers of listening, confidence, and storytelling. The fourth and last theme is a big one, and I'd say it's the main theme of this conversation. I call it unapologetic authenticity, as in 100% Jill. I would summarize our entire conversation by noting that Jill's inclination to do what feels right instead of following the masses, is what propelled her career ascension, and it's what makes her such a successful leader today. We didn't talk explicitly about personal branding, but Jill noted that she leads from the feminine, and that's an important part of her personal brand. But she had to learn to do this. Because of her family upbringing with all her brothers, and because of the culture of advertising being so male-dominated, celebrating masculinity, she had to consciously learn, again, that growth mindset, to lead from the feminine, as she calls it. This reminded me of a mantra that I share in personal branding workshops. It goes like this, unique is better than better. Jill exemplifies that. When we're true to our unique selves, we model authenticity and then our teams do the same and they perform. And this authenticity is what enabled Jill to turn up her compassion and her vulnerability during COVID when everyone was working from home and needed extra support. She also names her feelings. If that's not unapologetic authenticity, then I don't know what is. As she said in the interview, during COVID, it started as adrenaline, and then it became monotony. And in a more recent LinkedIn post, she calls it out as languishing. And some of her senior team discouraged her from labeling these things. But Jill, she keeps it real. And as she says, our job as sharpshooters is to create brilliantly creative, persuasive answers. So how do you be creative when you're bored and you're scared and you're numb? And maybe you're feeling that too? All right, let's name it. Being authentic to her personal brand is also what helped Jill get over the imposter syndrome that she experienced when she was in her thirties. How did she overcome her feeling that any day they'd find out that she didn't know anything? Well, she focused on what she's naturally good at. You know, that thing that you take for granted and that comes naturally, your unique gift. Unique, as in unapologetically authentic. Got it? Okay, so those are the four themes from this conversation. One, a growth mindset. Two, precision. Three, our three communication superpowers. And four, unapologetic authenticity. You can find a brief summary of these themes in the show notes on the TalkAboutTalk.com website. And while you're there, like I said, I hope you'll sign up for the free weekly communication skills newsletter. Why would you do that? Well, as Jill says, and I quote, communication is a skill that we stumble into. We rarely study it and yet it affects all of our lives. This is important. Jill, I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Jill. And by the way, I really hope you write that book all those insights in that second notebook of yours. Not the meeting notes notebook, the other notebook. I'd love to read the book that comes from all those epiphanies. Okay, that's it. Thanks everyone for listening and talk soon.